Hey, welcome back to the Something to Bless podcast with me, Barbara Gian at barbaragian.com. I hope you guys are doing great. Today is the day before the day of love. Yes, it's Valentine's Day. So whether it's just for yourself or somebody else around you, I hope that you will do even the smallest thing to show yourself a little extra love. We have the perfect guests for this time uh, today on the show. We have Lisa Caprelli and James Endorf, her boyfriend, and they are sharing their love story. If any of you out there are single and or you know somebody who is and you've grown maybe hopeless or you just feel like it's never going to happen, you're going to want to hear their story. And they're going to share with us how they connected and some of the main, I guess, ingredients or principles that they both believe led them to each other and will make them successful in their relationship. So I can't wait for you to hear their story. Before we jump in, I do want to say thank you to our sponsor. This show is brought to you by the Always Faithful Prayer Devotional. This is a 52-week devotional and has so much in there. It has weekly scripture, devotionals, declarations, journal pages, you name it. It's all there. You can find the link for that in the show notes. Grab one for you and a friend. Your friend will love you for it. I promise. Okay. Lisa Caprelli and James Endorf. So Lisa's actually a children's author. She has this whole line of books that she writes and goes around to schools and presents to kids. And it's all amazing. I'm going to leave all her information in the show notes. So if you want to connect with Lisa and learn more about her, just go down below to the show notes and you will see everything there for you. But guys, since the recording of this video, I got some really exciting news that I don't even think Lisa knew was coming. So these two are going to the chapel and we're going to get married, going to the chapel and we're going to get married. I am so excited for these two. Congratulations to them. I know that. Your life ahead, James and Lisa, together is going to be beyond blessed. So congratulations. So excited for you. All right, guys, without further ado, here's my conversation with James and Lisa. So I'm really excited to have you on, Lisa and James. And listeners, you'll get to hear from James in a few minutes here. But this is the cool thing about just online at all these days is the connections that are made. We just recently, I mean, probably not even a month ago, met on a Facebook podcasters group because I've all of a sudden joined all these different groups and that's one of them. And you were someone who commented on a post. I think I made an introductory post and you commented on it and you offered to be a guest. And, you know, I think anybody who has a podcast can relate. You get a lot of pitches and people who offer themselves to be a guest and not everyone is a match, but there was something about you. Maybe it was in what you wrote. Maybe it was just looking at your face and seeing something that I connected to, but I had to scope you out, girl. I was like, let me check her out. There's something here. Let me see. So I found an interview of you that you did. I don't know when it was probably a little while back and it's on YouTube and you were talking about one of your books. You'll tell us about that particular book because I think it's geared for teenagers, young adults. And I was so impressed by 
what you're doing, what you've accomplished, and just you in general. So we had a a quick conversation after that, probably 20 minutes or so. And in that short conversation, I learned so many things about you that I think we have in common. We are both writers and authors and passionate for young people. We're both women of faith, although your walk is a lot newer than mine. And we're going to talk all about that. And I'm so excited that you are here in Southern California, because what are the odds of that? Just meeting somebody randomly, right, online, and then you find out you're right next door. So I can't wait to get together. We are definitely going to have lunch, coffee, whatever. And then one thing that stands out to me is because I noticed you put this in some of your comments and your posts and your writing is that you are a Latina. You're very proud. And so am I. And What I think about with seeing that is that I am Mexican and in the space of being an entrepreneur, I don't feel, and tell me what you think, I don't feel like we have a whole lot of representation in this space and in a lot of other spaces, but especially entrepreneurship. Yes, I agree with all of that, (laughs) everything you're saying. Thank you, Barbara. Thanks for um, having myself. And I have with me James, my boyfriend and my partner, as we are navigating. Say hi, James. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hi. So we're sitting side by side. So I love your introduction, Barbara. Thank you. And of course, always appreciate a fellow writer and author because it takes so much work um, to get not only your words on, on paper per se, but to actually publish a book is a pretty awesome thing. So I can relate to that. And yeah, so the book you were talking about that I wrote for teens, it was actually before I dove in and just changed my life to be a full-time children's author. The book I wrote for teens is called Skip a Step, Imparting Wisdom for Young Entrepreneur Minds. And it's a secular book, but actually adults like it too. They said I should have changed the title, but I said, well, if you're young at heart, it's for you too. And pretty much in that book, I had by then worked with over 160 CEOs and building their business. My former background was marketing and branding. And people always think when you rise to the top and you become successful, even though successful can be defined differently in the worldly view versus biblical view. I realized that, like, gosh, all these stories that, of people, you know, many of them coming from a rags to riches story or starting over or building again and again and never giving up. I realized, like, wouldn't it be great to have these stories to give to younger people or, or people that are older in life and, and want to start over and, and do what they love and, and have a life of meaning and purpose? And so it was called skip a step. Like, what would you tell us if we could skip steps? Like if I could tell you, Barbara, when you were that little girl at 12 years old, things that would have motivated you or given you an insight to do what you love versus doing it at an older age, which is no right or wrong because we get wisdom as we grow. So a skip a step was stories that would have helped all people who really want to pursue meaning in life, like the the answers from the stories were in there, 13 different stories. I was the last chapter 13. Why skip a step story? But I asked people like, what would you tell your younger self? You know, what is the meaning of life? And Mitch Gerber, who I put as the first interview, because he was, was 80 years old at the time I interviewed him. An octogenarian is what it's called. And he He's written many books like E-Myth series and, and very successful man. 
when I asked him, what is the meaning of life? He was like, it's to create. And he talks about, you know, creating is in the Bible and that it's important. And, and so it was, it was all these voices dancing around in my head and, and the answers to these stories that I got to now share with the world that it was after Skip a Step around 2018 when that got published, I decided to change my life and, and become a full-time children's author, speaker. And um, I've come out with the Unicorn Jazz book series and now um, God's Masterpiece, a children's book series. And um, that's the short story. I really love that idea behind your Skip a Step book because it's something I feel super passionate about speaking to young people to encourage them, just asking basic questions about dreams and, and goals and aspirations. Because when I hear you talking and sharing all of that, I'm questioning my own self as a child and growing up as a youth. Nobody ever asked me those questions. I was never exposed to thinking beyond my circumstances, which were really nothing. I mean, I didn't have much and I always kind of just felt that that was going to be it. You know, you work to have what you need and that is it. My my brain was very limited in that sense. And so I think a book like this is so impactful and so important and so needed. And like I mentioned earlier, for all kids, but right. especially for certain demographics. Well, and then on that note, because we're both Hispanic origin, entrepreneur was never a word anybody in my Hispanic family talked about. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. So when I moved to California, when I was 29, I'm 52 now, I became an entrepreneur just like that. And everything changed. The reason I love sharing my story and our story is, is, you know, navigating biblical foundation and dating. And that's, again, if we could skip a step, what could we do as a younger child or a young woman, young man, if we could skip steps to navigate and find the right partner and then grow in that? Right. Yeah. So during our conversation, you mentioned, I, I just kind of knew with this, if you knew me before, my life was nothing like it is now. Everything's changed. And that just your singlehood was a big deal. And it was something that wasn't easy for you, but you discovered some things along the way from God's perspective and what he desired for you. And so let's talk about that journey since, I, I don't know, going back, is it a few years? Yes. Well, three years ago, I went through starting over, was in a relationship with a non-believer and having difficulties as many people would. And my sister's who are Christian, they asked me separately. They didn't talk to each other when I was crying and going, oh my God, why does this keep happening to me? Why do I keep meeting the wrong guy? And their question to me is, what is your relationship with God, Lisa? And I was like, what? And then you know, it's just a good question versus saying, if are you Christian? Because you could be Christian, but what is your relationship with God? And three years ago, that changed the whole journey to all of the learning I did because I love working with children because I wish I could have skipped steps and been in that child. Then I said, well, I'm going to write a Christian children's book. I know how to do that. I'm going to provide something for the younger self and, and, and use it as a way to reach other people because with all these messages and learning, and I would tell my sisters, teach me like I'm a first grader. You have to give me a drawing. You have to give me a picture because I was just so hungry to learn. And they got me on Bible apps. They got me reading scripture. I never in my life read the Bible. I, you know, through church, you know of the, the scriptures and passages, but to really then understand that and use them in your life. And as 
I talk about the Bible now, I see it as the greatest self-help book of all time. It truly is the book that has the answers to every problem, right? Yes. And so then fast forward, you know, still dating and it's really hard to date. No one ever says it's easy. But I was on a mission to find this Christian man that my sisters told me that if you build a foundation right, you can have this. And they would tell me I watched all the Andy Stanley videos I could. Greg, Craig Rochelle, you know, pastor. They also have a podcast and they've written so many books. And Craig Rochelle has a video about making God your number one while seeking your number two. And so it was like going back to school, learning, learning, learning. And this was so important to me. I literally, I mean, I was probably reading scripture, watching videos, minimum of three to four hours a day, broken up. Like I was on a mission to replace those steps that I didn't have when I was young. So fast forward to earlier this year, I met James. We met through eHarmony. And of course, I was not going to meet anyone that wasn't Christian. That's a check mark. And we got to talking. I saw in his profile, he was a widower. And when my niece, Alyssa, had said, well, who knows, you know, Lisa, and you know, she calls me Thea, Lisa, maybe one day you'll meet someone who's a widower in this journey. And what that would look like, maybe someone starting over that is right for you, whatever that is. So I always had her message in my heart because she speaks and pours well into me. And so James and I met. And of course, you know, I asked him immediately, are you ready to date? Because you know, I've never dated a widower. There's always going to be healing when you lose a, a spouse. I dated people that would divorce where there is an ex, and that is going to be a different kind of energy going forward. And so, so enter James. And of course, I'm, I'm asking him, what's your relationship with God? When do you go to church? Tell me about, do you know Bible scripture? What's your favorite one? Like I had all these ways to fact check before even, I wasn't going to go on a date with any man that didn't have the basic principles of a foundation for dating. And James had them all. He's, he was born and raised in Nebraska. I was born and raised in Texas. I loved that because I love that he had that Midwestern type values that came across through the very the way he treated me from the beginning, the way he said, well, I need to be a man and call you. What's your phone number? Just little things like that. And so James, what is your position being? I'm putting James on now. And what you're looking for in a woman. Lisa is taking over. She's a podcast host right now. James, answer the question. <laughs> yeah, yes, she is. Yeah. In terms of finding the right partner, it really kind of piggybacking off of what Lisa said, putting God first is your number one. And then finding that uh, partner that has those values and those traits that align with the word of God. So those things are the most important in finding that ideal partner. Because when you have that foundation of God in your life, both the male and female, when you have that, you can celebrate the wonderful times together. And even when times get challenging, when you have that foundation, you'll be able to navigate through those choppy waters. And so what do you say to men who... As <laughs> she, she, she really is taking over. I know. I'm, I'm helping you. <laughs> Because wait, wait, wait. I, so I do have healthy. a question. I yes, do have a go. question. You guys met on eHarmony. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's up with Christian Mingle? You guys didn't give them a chance? I was on Christian Mingle and there was nobody for me. <laughs> nobody was there. Back to eHarmony. Okay. It, I, it worked. Yeah. And I used eHarmony because actually that's how I met my first wife. Through, and 
I can tell that they definitely changed the platform of it because it was yeah. very tedious. <laughs> but nothing against yeah. Christian Mingle. I just yeah. no, never, we need to write them. We should be doing I'm, I'm eHarmony. <laughs> Honestly, eHarmony was the last website I went on. I had been on multiple websites and oh, I. They- a Christian girl on a mission to date. And of course, talking to other singles, what are you on? And I, I really feel like I was a pro. I really could help people in Christian dating and, but I'm not going to do, make that my career. But again, and it was hard. There was times that some people in my family would be like, well, maybe that Christian thing needs to not be as high as a priority versus other things. And I was like, no, there's just no way that life is hard already. And, you know, I want the foundation. I see people having it. Being Christian, it's not like being an alien. Like it's a very popular thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and you're, you're going to get some family and friends who don't get it because they're not there and that's okay. Right. That's the right. path. And it, it is not an easy thing because even in my life, I've come across individuals that were, either skeptical, sometimes even mm-hmm. very critical of my belief system. But at the end of the day, compared to, you know, think of what the disciples had to go through uh, in biblical times, the potential the, of them getting killed from uh, those that oppose the word of God. And so I think relatively speaking, it's actually pretty easy for us at this point. Well, yeah, because we talk about what, like our relationship's great. We're on fire for Jesus. Everything's great. Of course, you know, it's like the honeymoon period. We're still dating and doing the right things, of course. And we talk about like what it was like in our former relationships. And and James has talked about complacency. And I like that because many of us can get complacent in relationships and how we're like, we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to get get so comfortable in the relationship that it ends up being just kind of the usual routine. And and it's just easy to do when initially, when you hook up with that right person, as the years go by, it can be kind of a routine. Yeah. And part of that complacency, honestly, could be falling away from God, or maybe not going to church or getting together in small groups. That complacency could end up causing mm-hmm. trouble down the road. Yeah. And then, of course, and you'll appreciate this, Barbara, every female will, is that the guy's supposed to be the spiritual leader. And sometimes as women, we live in a world where women are doing so much. Women Now more women statistically are going to college than men. And But I love being feminine and I love the submission part of Bible, how it talks about appropriately. And that... Uh, I was women and people might think I'm a strong woman because I'm a business woman and all this, but no, I love being feminine. And, and I told that to James, like the Bible says, it's not what Lisa says that being a spiritual leader is important for the household and allowing the man to be that person, you know, knowing that it's not perfect. And that's why you need groups and things like that. What do you think? The, well, and, and maybe to clarify mm-hmm. some people with the term spiritual leader, some Many out there, it's like spiritual leader. Well, does that mean the husband can boss around his wife? No, that's not at all what it is. What it is is being the one to initiate, whether it's Bible study with their family, with their spouse. It's one that leads the family in terms of let's make sure that all of us are doing what, again, aligns with God's will for us, what aligns with the Word of God, and uh, to make sure that the whole family is engaged in God's, in the Holy Spirit. And so it's not at all, it's not at all bossing people around, but rather to, to align ourselves with Christ. 
Yeah, I look at it more as a, of an, a responsibility that men have been assigned as leaders in their homes and in their mm-hmm. communities, wherever they are. But that could be a weight on your shoulders, too, because it's up to me to lead and direct and carry a lot of this weight. But, you know, a lot of men do it with joy. And I'm sure you do, too. Lisa's been clear on that. Mm-hmm. But to be submissive, I know a lot of people take that to mean giving in and doing whatever the man says. And I used to think that same way too, but now I look at it differently. Like where's just that level of respect and honor in acknowledging that this is kind of by design, the way that it's supposed to be. The man is, is going to lead the family and I'm going to respect and honor him in these ways. But it doesn't mean what a lot of us think it means doing whatever he says. Yeah. Two different things. And Lisa, you talk about being a Proverbs 31 woman. So for people who don't know what that verse is or what that means, can you talk about that? Well, when I first became Christian, one of my Christian friends said to me, you're like a Proverbs 31 woman. So of course I was like, what is this affirmation? (laughs) And a Proverbs 31 woman is a mother, wife, entrepreneur, more. And those are all things, yes, I aspire to me. I'm all of them right now except wife. I am a mother. I am an entrepreneur and help run so many things for my family and household. And I love it. I love all these roles that I have. And so I was like, yeah, well, I haven't been with the guy that has respected that roles, but how do you know what roles you are again, if you're not in a Christian relationship? So I just love the the scripture, how you can draw from examples and James and I do devotionals almost every day since we met. Like that was one of my things. Let's do devotionals like my sisters do with the Bible app and gets us. So we do it every day. And so that we keep God top of mind. And of course he comes from a a Christian based family. I just met them last week in Nebraska. And once I met his family, I said, Oh, okay. This has completed the puzzle. This is why he has so many great values, so much honor. I, I got so close to him and meeting his family and the way that his mom and dad treat each other, I, I'm just floored. I'm like, if that's what you have been taught and you, I said, I, yes, I want this too. You want to share about your parents' love? Well, first, uh, Lisa passed the family test. So <laughs> that's all I have. His dad no. had a questionnaire for me, but that's another story. Okay. <laughs> that's the beauty of God's design. The man and the woman teamed up together they complement each other. My mom and dad have unique traits. One does a certain aspect better than the other and and vice versa. And so when you and Lisa met, your faith was already rooted and established from childhood. Yes, it was. And I, I thank God every day for that because, you know, especially when you lose someone near and dear to you, I can't imagine people that didn't have a faith in Christ, how do they navigate through those difficult, you know, moments where you lose someone, you know, near and dear to you? And James' parents, they've been married how long? Over 50 years. Over 50 yeah. years. And Barbara, his parents are st- are still so in love. And she now helps caretake for his dad yeah. and does it with grace. Yes. Yeah, he's had a spinal injury for several years now and you know the phrase in sickness and in health till death to us part i mean my parents are a, a great living example of that lisa you're in good hands i know i am just so happy so now he has to come meet my family in el paso at christmas time but it, i just tell them they're just gonna be like lisa's never had anyone like you which is so true but i know what it is it's not like 
something that I, I just didn't know. I didn't have anyone tell me skip a step stories on Christianity and why if you meet a godly man, how your whole life will be better. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it doesn't. It's not work, Barbara. You know, you've been you share with me how that you've been married some time. It, life is work, and and I read yeah. a statistics that choose your partner well, ninety percent of your happiness will come from that relationship or not. <laughs> right. But I love something. I don't know if it was James or you, Lisa, one of you said something about make God the number one and the partner number two or something similar to that. Craig Rochelle has this great video and message and he talks about the time his wife, Amy Rochelle, he's a big pastor that people follow. Da, da, da. Anyways, um, so Craig Rochelle has this video about making God your number one while you are looking for your number two. And, and also I've heard become who you want to marry you know, become that person. And we can't make our partner be our everything. My sisters have taught me, your expectations are going to fail. There's no way that one human being can be all of these things to you. But you know who can be all these things to you is God. And you know who's going to always love you is God. And and even when having a good relationship, your partner is going to fail you. Where are you going to draw from for wisdom advice, for godly advice, when your partner does fail you and when there is forgiveness that has to come into the picture? And so I feel like a lot of people, and this was me too formerly in, in dating and relationships, is for me, looking back, I, we were setting ourselves up for failure by having no spiritual foundation for a relationship. And the good thing is that I would use my sisters as counsel in sharing this. It's like they're my board of directors in dating and making sure that I wouldn't go back to those those low places because nobody likes starting over. Nobody likes, as I've shared with James and, and people close to me, love is supposed to be forever. And to have a breakup as I've had, it's been the most painful thing that I've ever had in my life is my breakup of my relationships because I'm the type of person I love. I don't want to end love. And there's reasons why you do sometimes have to end that love, you know, and for me, when looking back, because God was not in the picture, we didn't know that making God number one, some of the my former relationships, they didn't believe in God. So when I started studying all this with my passionate human behavior, psychology, you know, writer's brain and understanding, it just made sense. It's not luck that you just meet the right person. It's intentional. And if when you are intentionally dating, you're going to find God's going to bless you because you're making him your number one. Yeah. Well, yeah. And to people who have been single for extended periods of time, and they're just, there's a point where you just wonder if it'll ever happen. Right. And it's still important, even in those times to really evaluate your relationship with God, your heart, but it can be a challenge. It can definitely be. A lot of people are lonely, especially mm. this is a season of loneliness for some people. Mm. And we have friends that they're on dating apps and seeking mm. random, I call it random dating versus intentional dating. Mm. And I have friends that say, well, I want what you have. I go, well, this is the work I did. I made God my number one. I got into groups. I read the Bible. I read devotionals. I prayed to God every day. I made God my number one. God was like my, and he's supposed to be your friend all the time. And what I've learned is sometimes when people go through those low times in their life, it's because God wants us to draw near to him. And, and so in having long suffering makes sense. And I had that long suffering. James had that long suffering. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. and cause God wants you to draw closer to him. Right. Yeah. And in terms of finding a partner, I, at least, you know, I'm speaking on behalf, I guess, of the men out there that if you're a single guy that's has been seeking and, or haven't found the right person yet, 
continue to uh, pour your heart to God in prayer and demonstrate or work on your relationship with, if you don't have one, and being able to exhibit those spiritual leader type traits. If, if you're a man who has an authentic love of Christ, I think that's an attractive quality. I really do. It is. And I that, yeah, 100% agree with that. I, and the key is authentic because there are those that play pretend, so to speak. But, you know, it's, like I said, a very attractive quality. Yeah. No posers. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> it just feels, it, I feel like it's, it's a new life. I was like on. And the uh, examples that you become for many, I'm saying for me as a mother and as a woman, I have adult children and I see their relationships changing, their outlook, because as my sisters taught me, change you, lead by example and watch your people around you change. Oh yeah. That's automatic. That's what happens. And that's probably the best part of it all. Yeah. And it's exciting because James now he's, you know, he's, he's a accountant and he has a math brain, very smart, (laughs) like my younger son. And I'm just creative and adventurous. He's adventurous too. But like as an entrepreneur, Barbara, you like every day is never the same. And I'm used to that. I never even worry. So like he's now helping me get author visits and he's gotten me some recently and got to go with me. And so now I said, well, I get to travel sometimes. Can you work in going with me? You know, if it's God's will. And so again, we're just like, I say I wake up with God's marching orders. Where, what are they? That's so amazing. I love all of that. Well, this has been good. And I'm sure it's going to be really helpful and encouraging to some of the listeners. So thank you both for sharing and being here and just having an open heart and that willingness to share how you came to find each other through the heart set that you have for God and his word. And I know I've said it several times. I couldn't agree more that making God the foundation of your life. He will always be the source, the one that covers all, covers everything. And he's all any of us really need. So everything else is extra and bonus in life. Okay. Before we go, I have a few questions that I end every conversation with. So I'm going to ask you, and you can both chime in and give your responses. So it's called Bless Me With Three. And the first one is, what is your favorite either go-to scripture or a scripture that you share with others the most? Okay. I'm going to quickly Google. When I first became Christian, it was so um, important for me with the word self-control. Okay. So uh, Galatians 5.23, though uh, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Against such things, there is no law. I must have read that every day. And one of my sisters, because we're in a sister Zoom group every day, we call God's daughters. And so she kind of like, it's kind of like the Sesame Street. One of these things don't belong here. (laughs) Who doesn't want love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And then there's thrown in there and, you, you know, having self-control. And in a way, it seems like, wait a minute, that doesn't belong there. But that's part of the scripture. And then uh, one of my one of my favorites, I, I don't have one super favorite verse because there's so many good ones out there. One that really jumps out to me is the Romans 8, 28. And that's, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And that's that's so comforting to know when if our love is in God, God is on our side. Nothing can 
ruin us, take us down when our focus is on Christ. And having that focus on Christ, it can bring you such peace and joy in your life. Amen to that. I agree. Uh, Once again. Okay. I'm a big reader, so I love hearing other people's favorite reads. Do you have any uh, favorite books? I am reading right now with my sister's group, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's about how we are all distracted today by our phones and technology and how we need to be present with people, put our phones off and making your family number one because a lot of times today, and all of us are guilty of this, we could be in the same space or house as someone, but doesn't mean we're giving them our present time. Yeah. Let's see. It's called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It's written by Norman Geisler and Frank Turek. And it's a Christian apologetics type book, but it has so many compelling arguments in terms of, you know, it, In other words, having faith in Christ, there's more to support that as opposed to if you're an atheist, it takes a lot of faith because if you look all around you in this world and think of how the world was created, think of our human bodies, all the intricate parts to our body, how did that come into being? And and that to me is, it expresses the, hey, there was a creator, there was someone that engineered those parts together to give us the human body, which is one of the most complex organisms. So, but anyway, that, that's one of my favorite books. I'm going to have to pick that one up. Just the title alone is super intriguing. Okay, good. And the last one, who inspires you the most to be your best? And I know that a lot of us have multiple people, but if there's somebody that comes to mind, who is an inspiration to you? Who is that? Oh my gosh, for me, it's it's all my sisters and our sisters in Christ group called God's Daughters. There's around nine of us that get together every Saturday for the past three years. They actually started the Zoom. What became for me became for all of them and their spouses and relationships with family and friends. So I love that we can have the best of each other and pour into others, including women and other people that don't know God yet. Yeah. Uh, definitely my parents and my uh, younger brother and sister, you know, the immediate family, just we've gone through a lot together and both good and, and challenging, but we've been such a great team together. I really blessed to have the family that I have. That's so beautiful. It's amazing. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing. I know there's so much more we could talk about. I know it's going to be encouraging to the listeners. So thank you. And we will meet up soon because we are too close not to do that. Agree. We're Sounds so good. excited, Barbara. Thank you. This was a wonderful show. You are a really good host, and we look forward to supporting your great work in the world as well. Thank you, Lisa. All right. We will talk soon, guys. Okay. Right. Bye. Thanks, Barbara. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.